What's up, everybody? I just want to welcome you all to Shahada Tribe Radio. Um, today, I got a, an amazing, amazing opportunity to talk to um, Sheikh Khalil. Um, he's, you know, he's a Sheikh that I met out in, um, in Stockton, California, uh, while we were out here. And subhanAllah, it was just an amazing opportunity to, to meet him. And, um, and I think really kind of instantly we just started connecting and, uh, he's a, as a great brother, mashallah. And, um, you know, I just, we wanted to, uh, you know, connect and just start, um, you know, he wanted to add to the podcast. Well, of course I invited him, you know, <laughs> inshallah. And, you know, just get into the, the podcast and just, you know, you know, talk about things that, you know, inshallah may be beneficial and things that, uh, you know, can help us all out as, uh, as one ummah. So, um, without further ado, uh, Sheikh Khalil, um, you know, Jazakallah, thank you so much for, for doing this, man. I, I really, really do appreciate it. Um, you know, taking the time out of your day to, to connect and, and make this happen. So, well, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. So the first, first thing, actually, do you remember when we first met? Like that was, that's actually what I want to ask you, like, what was like, cause I was, I was new. I mean, I'm still pretty new to like, to the community, but, uh, like, I don't know. When did we first like actually meet me? Yeah, I, I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, it was like right around the beginning of Ramadan. So I, I remember when I think it was maybe like right around the beginning or right before the beginning of Ramadan. And we talked about reading some Quran together and, you know, trying to take some of some advantage of that time around the masjid. And yeah. alhamdulillah, we got to do that a few times. And like you said, mashallah, we were able to connect. And alhamdulillah, we've had some good conversations. And hopefully this is going to be another one, inshallah. <laughs> inshallah, no doubt. No doubt about it. So... Where, uh, so you, I know we talked about this before, but just to kind of like give, uh, some of the listeners, uh, an idea of, of, you know, where, where you come from, kind of your background. Uh, so you, you, as you mentioned to me before, you studied out in Egypt, is that correct? Yeah, alhamdulillah. Um, you know, I, I had a chance to spend, uh, about five or six years in Egypt, um, you know, went out there right around 2006 with you know, the goal of learning Arabic and, you know, learning the Quran like, you know, so many other people at the time. And alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed me, uh, you know, with the ability and opportunity to stay out there for a while. And I was able to move on from that to studying, you know, the Sharia, spending some time with the Mashayikh out there, um, enrolled in Azhar. Uh, alhamdulillah eventually graduated alhamdulillah alhamdulillah and so i remember you told me you went out there like like kind of on like almost nothing right like you just like said all right i'm gonna go out here and i'm gonna study inshallah and make it happen or something right yeah i mean you know it's you went out there and you know kind of like the 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 situation of most um you know people who, who who have that goal of seeking knowledge you kind of you know, you start and, you know, you, we don't always have uh, a very solid plan in mind. You know, sometimes you're just kind of running on Iman and, yeah. you know, you, you know, it's something that you want to do and, you know, people will advise you not to put it off for too long because you don't know how long the opportunity will be there. Uh, and at the same time, you kind of go out to, to these places, you know, not knowing a hundred percent what you're getting yourself into so it's just kind of like a taking it day by day kind of thing but yeah alhamdulillah you know like after i had been out there for a while 
I really just wanted to continue the studies and I didn't want to come back and I was making dua to Allah and <laughs> alhamdulillah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know we're always reminded that Allah is ar-razzaq and the rizq can come from Allah anywhere right it doesn't necessarily have to be here or this country or that country when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to open the doors for you and sustain you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do it no matter where you are and and then actually uh, the Prophet Muhammad he actually mentioned that one of the means of increasing our our sustenance is by seeking knowledge. Mm. So that's actually one of the means we're encouraged that is that if we take that path towards knowledge, that you know Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is not going to leave you without what you need to sustain yourself and you know remain upon the path. Right. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Jazakallah. So yeah. So you were out in so Egypt. You say there are five six years. Um, Came back to California, right? Here we are. And uh, Subhanallah, you. So did your? I know you. You know you and your brother. You know work together and and you know are at the masjid. Did you guys study together in Egypt, or were you, was that separate, or how did that go? So you know Subhanallah, we had actually when we first started practicing and you know really uh, started with that desire to seek knowledge. Uh, we we left for Umrah. We left from here, from California. We went with a group for Umrah. Mm. And while we were out there, uh, some of the brothers encouraged us to go ahead and apply for the Jamia for Medina University. Okay. Uh, so we said, okay, why not? You know, let's try to do that. So we went to, to, to fill out applications and get paperwork together. And I was actually right at the cutoff. The, the cutoff age for Medina is 24 years old. Yeah. Uh, so I was I was already at the cutoff. So they wouldn't accept my application. They accepted my brother Yusuf's application. Ended up getting accepted. Uh, so by the following year, he left to Medina, and I left to Egypt right at the same time. Ah, okay, okay. So you guys, so he, you were you're one place, he was another. Did you guys both spend about the same amount of time? Uh, five, six years apart. Yeah, just just about the same amount of time. Uh, yeah, we were both gone and we both actually came back right around the same time. Oh, mashallah, mashallah. That's very, that's interesting. You know, you guys, two different worlds kind of coming together at the masjid and subhanallah, <laughs> subhanallah yep. that's great. So, um, so yeah, so did you, so, you know, I was gonna, you know, one of the main reasons why I wanted to, to sit down with you today and just kind of talk, you know, there's, uh, you know, right now, I mean, there's a huge, huge I don't know. I think shift in in the in America and in in Islam and just kind of the the way that Muslims are growing and 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 you know building families out here in America. It's kind of new, right? I mean, we we haven't been here that long as a as an Ummah. You know, we're we're all starting to build families, right? And there's all this. I mean, there's, you know, there's this political pressure. There's different, I mean, there's a whole different dynamic when it comes to raising a family. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to, you know, ask, you know, and talk to you about some of that because, you know, for me, um, you know, me and my wife were expecting one baby girl. Alhamdulillah, you know, she's on the way. Um, and uh, I'm always curious to see, like, you know, what is it, you know, that, you know, our Muslim, you know, Ummah is doing, right? Because... Uh, let's be honest, right? There's a lot of distractions when it comes to, you know, being in America. There's a lot of things that are just going on and things that we want to protect our families from and even our own Islam. 
uh, we we all we all know that you know having a family and the importance of a family in Islam, right? And and the importance that Islam puts on that family. Um, what why yeah why is a family important and what importance does Islam even put on the family? Yeah, I mean, um, definitely a very very important topic as you mentioned, and you know, Subhanallah, you mentioned the fact that you know we're out here in the West and you know trying to raise our families and. And it's a very interesting dynamic because, you know, like my generation and, you know, many others like me are the children of immigrants, right? Mm. right? So uh, so they came out here, they moved out here from various parts of the world. There was a time where you had a lot of immigration to the U.S., especially from the Middle East and from, you know, like uh, uh, the subcontinent. So there was a lot of immigrants coming out here. And, you know, so what they were upon, they kind of more or less held on to their culture. A lot of them, at least, uh, they had that cultural practice of Islam. Uh, their identity, a lot of times, was more or less set. Uh, but then, of course, you know, they have children out here in the West, in the U.S., and similar places. So now you have this generation that's kind of between uh, their, their family and you know that back home country and having grown up here in the west so yeah there's a lot of challenges that come along with that and we hear about these issues and you know complaints and whatnot all the time from parents you know kind of having trouble and that kind of disconnect between them and their children and you know kind of somewhat of a lack of understanding between the two and subhanallah so i mean where do we start? We start by recognizing the importance of this topic and this issue from the beginning, you know, right. not waiting until it's too late, which unfortunately many times what happens is that by the time the parents are realizing the magnitude of what's going on and, you know, the, the importance of tarbiyah, sometimes it's just happening too late and, and your, your level of influence on the, on the children is just not that strong anymore once they're 16, 18, you know, 20 years old. Now, there's only so much you can do at that point. There's only so much advice you can give. Right. But the idea we, of starting starting early, right? I mean, we can't, you know, as far as influencing children or, you know, our, you know, our, our families, you know, starting early, of course, you know, not waiting until that, that time they're 16, 18 to actually have the conversations and, and communicate, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And that's where, like, for example, uh, uh, Imam Malik, there's a famous story about Imam Malik when a man comes to him and he asks him to teach him how to, you know, raise, he had a young daughter about a year old, to teach him how to raise this daughter of his in Islam. So Imam Malik, he asked him, how old is your daughter? He tells him, yeah, she's a year old. He told him, yeah, so you're about two or, you know, three years late in asking this question. So that you know that role and that that knowledge that you have to gain and preparing oneself to for tarbiyah and raising children in Islam is something that begins even before the children are born. Now, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says in the Quran, "Ya ayyuhaladina amanu qo anfusakum wa ahlikum nara." O you who believe, save yourself and your families from the fire. Save yourself and your families from the fire. Uh, so this is something that. You know, and the scholars, they mentioned that this means teaching them Islam, teaching them good character. This is something that, you know, this is this is a responsibility that's upon us. It starts from a very young age. 
the children are giving to us as an amana, as a trust by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't, we don't own our children, right? As we, we commonly hear all, all, many times when somebody is somebody passes away, what do we say? We say, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Allah, we belong to Allah, and to Allah is our return. So our children, they don't belong to us. They're, they're, they're a trust that's given to us by Allah right. subhanahu wa ta'ala. And with, like with any trust, it's an amana. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a responsibility that comes along with it. I'll just share one, one small story from the seerah that kind of you know, explains and, and, and gives us a good idea of, of what that trust is. One of the companions, his name was Abu Talha, and his, wife, his wife's name was, was Umm Sulaim. Uh, so Abu Talha, he had one young son who was about a year old, and he was really attached to his son. It was it was his first son. He was very attached to him. He loved his son very much. His son became sick in that young age, and you know developed a very high fever. And they were doing what they could at the time to kind of try to treat the boy and whatnot. Uh, so eventually, Abu Talha he went out for salah, and I believe it was Salat al Isha. So while he was gone, the boy actually passed away. So mm. Um Sulaim, you know, she knew that how, how attached, of course she's affected too, but she knew how attached Abu Talha, her husband, was to the child. So she, she wanted to break it to him very softly. So when he came back, she kind of comforted him and sat him down. And, and she told him a story. She said, you know, the, the neighbors, uh, so-and-so, they borrowed something from somebody. And when it was time for them to give it back, they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to give give it back. They didn't want to give back what they had borrowed. So he said, how could they do that? You know, that's a trust. It's an amana. They have to give it back. So she used this as the introduction to tell him that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also gave you an amana. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has rightfully taken that trust back. Right? So the Prophet Muhammad yeah, the Prophet later hears about this the next morning when they pray the janazah. On, on the child, the Prophet ﷺ heard about how she responded and how she reacted. So he made a dua for them, saying, Allahumma barik lahuma fi laylatihima. Oh Allah, put barakah in their relationship together. And we know, of course, the, the dua of the Prophet ﷺ is answered by Allah. Right. So Anas, anhu, he said that later on, some years and years later, he came across Abu Talha having 10 children and all of them were Hufad, they had all memorized the Quran in its, in its entirety. Wow. So that was the that was Mashallah. the result of the Prophet. Subhanallah. So yeah. the point obviously is that the children are a trust, and we have to understand that Allah has given us a trust and we have a responsibility to fulfill with that trust. Right. And that and that trust, you know, like you said, you know, is our children. And part of that trust, right, is protecting you know, and this is kind of just my opinion here, right? It's like protecting our, our children and it, it seems difficult, you know, to be completely honest. It seems a little bit difficult, especially in this kind of society. So, you know, being that there are trust, right? Like, I mean, that we're entrusted with, yeah, you know, children and trying to raise them and, you know, Islamically, right? And, and give them those values of Islam. Where, you know... Where do we like kind of start, right? Where do we even begin as far as like, you know, we have our kid, right? You know, they're growing up, you know, where, where, does, where does one kind of begin in that process? Beautiful questions. We know in Islam 
that every human being is born upon the fitrah, right? Uh, as uh, the, the, the natural belief in Allah. This is something that Islamically we believe that every human being is born upon that na- na- that good nature, that natural belief in Allah. Allah says in the Quran, Fitratallah The fitra of Allah, that natural belief, that natural inclination that He created all of the human beings upon. So now it's really interesting that I actually came across, you know, in the past and doing some reading on this, uh, anthropologists have actually done research. Uh, and these are non-Muslim anthropologists, and they they did it across, I can't remember if it was 20 or 30 countries or something like that, mm. and uh, on young children. And the conclusion that they came that they came with regarding this issue is that children, if they're isolated from their environment, like if they were to be placed on a you know a deserted island, for example, if they're completely isolated from their environment and the, the influences of their environment, that they actually go back to a natural belief in the divine or in supernatural uh, a supernatural being, right? Mm. So, so you know, this is very interesting because this actually coincides with the belief in Islam about the fitrah that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala created all of us. And this, with having this good nature about us and this natural belief in Him, Subhanahu wa Taala. So, what does that mean? How does that fit into and tie into us raising our children? Well, if we know that they're already created upon good, right, and that natural good is there, then what we have to do is nurture it and protect it, right? So, the good is there. Our role here now is basically to protect it and to recognize that it can be affected very easily, right. right? With something as simple as a phone, with something as simple as having open access to information, with something as that seems as simple as sitting in front of a TV. You know, all of these things are affecting the fitrah. There being, you know, there, there's ideas and ideologies, and we know that, you know, uh, nothing is that innocent, right? So there's ideologies and there's ideas and there's diff- different... All of this is, uh, it's, it's being fed to the child at a very young age. So it's simply not acceptable for us to, you know, leave our children to be raised by everything other than ourselves and assume that everything is going to be okay in the end. So they have this fitrah, they have this good nature that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created them with. Now, our role is to try to protect it to the best of our abilities, to watch, you know, to everything that they're being exposed to. We're trying to keep a close eye on everything that they're exposed to. And at the same time, trying to expose them to the good so that 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 nature and, and, you know, that nature about them and trying to to nurture that that good nature and and those good qualities and good character and everything like that. So I think that just kind of like having that understanding is where we where we can begin, right? So you know, actively, because uh, you know what you're saying with with uh, with our innate you know fitra that we have, or we're inclined to you know we have good within us. So teaching and facilitating the process of that good, right? Is that kind of what you know what you're explaining? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then like you know, if we want to go get a little bit more practical with that. You know, yeah. we know like psycho- psychologically, the brain develops, most of the brain development is in the first eight years of life. Okay. Right. And even the majority of that is even in the first 
five years of life, right? Mm. So everything that the children are to, they are, you know, it's really shaping their mind and how they're going to see the world for the rest of their lives, you know, and, and, and most of that is, is, is being shaped at a very young age. So, you know, when they, when they look at us, right, and we're obviously the biggest role models in their lives and, and you know, and, and kids, they look up to their parents, no matter what their parents are upon, they see their parents as the, the, the perfect, uh, uh, the perfect people, the perfect individual, no matter what you're upon, they see you a perfect role model in life. So when they see from us, you know, practically, when they see us uh, being truthful with people, you know, not lying, when they see honesty in us and they see good character and they see us practicing Islam, you know, something yeah. as simple as them growing up and, and watching us make salah from a very young age. What do, what do little kids do? You know, they start mimicking you. Before they know what they're doing, they're going to stand next to you and they're going to go through the same motions and the same movements that you're going through. Yeah, so right? that's, so, that's, so, that's so, so true. Being, that's so true. My, uh, my wife's sister just had a baby. <laughs> and uh, subhanAllah, I mean, he's like barely about to hit two, I believe. And anyways, whenever we go up and, you know, we're about to pray or anything. We just say, you know, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And he's like, you know, he's there. He's raising his arms up and doing it and just literally like just kind of like mimicking what, you know, what we do. He'll go down in sujood. You know what I mean? SubhanAllah. And it's so funny you say that because that's, I mean, it's so true. You know, children will mimic, you know, everything that we do. And uh, if we facilitate that good, right, it's something that we have to be, what you're saying, active, like proactive as to how to facilitate good and, and facilitate kind of the, the family and the child that we want to have is uh, we got to think ahead, right? Is that kind of like where we're going is like, you know, just kind of thinking ahead and, and what is it like, what's the, what's the outcome we want and working backwards, right? If we want our kid to, or even ourselves, right? But like, you know, our families to be a praying family or uh, a family that is connected to the Quran, well then, Let's let's work retroactively and start with okay. Well, let's start doing that. Let's kind of model that and be that, right? Inshallah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you know, so much of it goes back to what we're upon in life, you know. And you know, there's that there's that famous you know example in the Quran when uh, uh, Musa and Khidr salam when he he goes on that journey in Surah Al-Kahf with Khidr and he's He's going to learn that knowledge that he didn't have. And one of the situations they come across is two young boys that are digging up a treasure from the ground. So, mm. so Khidr goes on to explain to Musa what happened here. Why, why are these two boys actually digging up this treasure that they find in the ground? He tells them, صَالِحًا Their father, or according to many of the, the, the tafasir of the Qur'an, it might have been their grandfather or great-grandfather, was a righteous man. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused that treasure, that wealth, to reach those two boys because they had a father or preserved and protected them and provided for them because of the righteousness and the piety that existed in their, you know, in their in their uh, generation or two or more generations before them in their own family. So, mm. so you know, that first means is us really understanding that, you know, when we perfect our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or try the best we can to, to do that, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to preserve and protect 
our children. Some of the Sahaba, they were known to stand for Qiyam al-Layl. And when they became tired, when their legs got tired of standing, they put their young children, their baby children next to them, and they would say, Min ya waladi. I'm doing this for you, my son, right? I'm standing at night and, and, and allowing myself to get tired and you know going through this difficult. See, I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will preserve and protect you later on in your life. Right. So wow. so that understanding is very important. You know, it's it's the, the children are going to be a, a reflection of who we are. And, you know, the, the better we do and the more piety, knowledge, practice we have in our lives, the better opportunity we're giving them. Right. And and that knowledge, right, comes from, you know, of course, it comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, that he you know makes that, you know, journey and that path for us easy, inshallah. Um, but what I you know, there's there's some people who necessarily don't have that knowledge, right? I mean, they maybe haven't started seeking, or you know, they may be in the middle of, you know, a family where their kids are already five years old, they're six years old, or even for like, you know, people who come to Islam, like myself. Um, you know, I always tell some people, I'm like, yeah, like in a way, I'm kind of playing catch up. You know, I feel sometimes, you know, because there's so much that. You know, being, you know, growing up and being around Islam, subhanAllah, like, you just kind of, like, absorb certain things, right? Some things just kind of become normal, natural, you know, instead of, you know, like someone who, you know, comes into Islam like myself, we have to learn the culture, learn, you know, what is, you know, tabi'een or, you know, who's the sahaba, you know, what is the model that, you know, the Prophet uh, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa like, gave to us? Um, and so right, for those right. people who are coming new, right, and, and necessarily don't have like, you know, that knowledge, essentially, like, I don't know what, what, where to kind of like they, you know, began or what was, I don't know, what would you give like an advice to to them? I know innately, like Islam is just doing good, right? Like anything good in life, you know, and that we do like, Innately, like we under we kind of know it in our hearts. So Islam, you know, there's nothing that's. How do I explain it? One uh, one one sheikh I had explained this to me that you know there's all the good that you can possibly get comes from like the Quran that we need, right? And, and being tied to that definitely will will help. But you know, there's some people necessarily may not be connected on that kind of level, right? Um, so I guess you know where where does one that doesn't have like a lot of knowledge or um, uh, understanding, kind of, kind of go in that in that kind of place. If that makes sense, uh, hopefully I'm not yeah, over absolutely. the place. <laughs> Inshallah. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. That's a good question. It's it's almost like saying, well, what about for the common person, right? What about for somebody who's not, doesn't have that strong connection to the texts and you know doesn't really seek knowledge and you know maybe sit in halakat too much and things yeah. of that nature. And both and, that's 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 both mm-hmm. for you know people who come to Islam and people who don't practice. I don't mean to, I didn't mean to isolate the 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 convert because there's definitely born quote unquote born Muslims who don't have that um, knowledge and you know don't even know where to go to you know so yeah exactly what you're saying that kind of that common person <laughs> who who yeah who doesn't who hasn't really read who hasn't really looked at it but they're like you know what. What, what do I do? You know, where do I go? What, what, what's something that uh, I can, you know, kind of take with me, inshallah? 
Yeah. So, you know, I mean, first of all, I mean, the first, you know, the first bit of advice there is that uh, there's no doubt in Islam, Islam encourages us and even obligates us to seek knowledge. Right. And at a minimum, that's going to be the knowledge that's required for us to fulfill our obligation towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right. So <clears throat> so every one of us, for example, has to know the ins and outs of wudu and salah and zakat and things of those nature. Now, for example, if I'm going to open a business, let's say, now I need to study the you know, the fit of the transactions and make sure that everything I'm doing is in accordance with the Quran and the Sunnah. And I'm not you know, violating the, 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 the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So every one of us has to learn at least the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, that seeking knowledge is an obligation upon every, upon every Muslim. So when it comes to raising the children, then there's no doubt once we're going to have children or we have them or maybe we get started late and then no doubt you know that's the reality for many people uh, they might not realize the importance of, of an issue until it becomes critical until they see the the signs of trouble and you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful the opportunities are still there the guidance is still there you know it, it takes us wanting it and directing ourselves towards it and then ultimately directing our families towards it in order for, for us to, you know, to learn it and for us to benefit from it. And the knowledge, remember that knowledge in Islam is not simply information. It's, it's that which leads to, as one of the companions said, al-ilm khashyatullah. Knowledge is having the awe and fear and hope and connection to Allah. That's real knowledge. That's the, the essence of knowledge in Islam is not necessarily how much an individual you know memorizes or knows rather what they're able what they're able to really embody and, and put into practice and their you know their understanding of who Allah is and their constant connectivity and and attempting to stay connected and, and being mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that's real that's the essence of real i mean you might find somebody that doesn't really know texts too well you know there's there's still people in you know, I've come across people that were that still can't read, believe it or not, mm. and yet, subhanallah, they they worship Allah and they practice and they're praying all of their salawat in the masajid and you know and and you know they're and they're doing a lot more than many of us, right? So so again, knowledge is really the essence of knowledge is is what we actually put into practice. So if we were to look back. At the example of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu right? He's our, he's our, he's the best of examples. He's the uswatun hasana, the best of examples for us to follow in, in every aspect of our life. And this is really a miracle, you know, of Islam, of the seerah, right? And, and, and even in this issue, we'll find so much guidance as to, you know, how to raise children. Just from some of the statements and the actions of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu there's really some beautiful, some beautiful lessons to be learned. Right. And, and I'll, I'll share one with you, for example, like, you know, the idea of positive reinforcement, right, mm. where you, you know, you, you praise a child and you, you kind of encourage them to do good. And, you know, the Prophet Muhammad, وسلم, he once said to Ibn Umar when Ibn Umar was still a, was still a young man, he was maybe 12 or 13 years old at the time. The right. Prophet Muhammad وسلم, said to him, abd, Abdullah, law kana he said to him, what a good man Ibn Umar is, if only he would pray the night prayer. Okay. So Ibn Umar later on, he said, I never left praying Qiyam al-Layl after that day. Right? After the 
advice of the Prophet Muhammad So look, notice how he gave the advice. He he you know he he praised him. He said, "What a good man Ibn Umar is." Yeah. Now if he would only do such and such. So you know it's such a simple kind of like a simple lesson, but something that if we put into practice with the children, that it's something that's extremely effective. You know, a lot of times, what do we do? The opposite of that, right? We say, "What's wrong with you?" Why are you doing this? Yeah, Why come on, you a bad that? kid. You should be doing this. Like, what kind of kid are you? Like, you know, yeah, it's 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 terrible. And I see, actually, it's it's so funny how Islam confirms that, right? Because it's it's I feel like there's those things that you you kind of grow up a little bit knowing it, right? Like, you shouldn't call kids stupid, right? You shouldn't call them dumb, and you know things like that. Like, oh, you're such an idiot. Like, you can't do this right, and things like that, man, and. I've seen like the effects that it has, like you know, like on, on children, and just completely demoralizes them, you know. And then you know, you got a, a child believing, like, yeah, I'm stupid, yeah, I'm dumb. Why do I try, right? Subhanallah. But the what what you said with you know the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, like that's I mean, that's cool because it just you know it really just kind of enforces the good part of it, and then you know tucks in the lesson that you want them to do, you know, that positive reinforcement. That's that's amazing. Subhanallah. Yeah, subhanAllah. I mean, there, there's, there was actually a uh, study that was done at, uh, I think it was New Jersey University in New Jersey. And, you know, they take two groups of children and they give them, you know, different challenging tasks to do. And one of the groups, and, and there's no difference in the two, there's no difference in their abilities or their intelligence or anything like that. And one of the two groups is given, you know, like uh, motivating statements and they're being motivated and they're you know, they're, they're told, uh, you know, they're just told positive things like you can do it. Come on, keep going. You got this. You know, this yeah. is easy for you. Things like that. The other group is being told the opposite. Like uh, you can't do this. This is too much, you know, impossible. Don't even try whatever. So the one yeah. that's being motivated and, and being given that positive reinforcement, they actually. So the, the result was that they were more willing to, to work. They were more motivated and they accomplished three times as much as the other group. Wow. Right? So look, subhanAllah, something so simple, but if we actually put it into practice, you know, it can go a long way. Right. And so, you know, going, you know, kind of what you're saying, you know, you know, just to kind of like even summarize a little bit what you're saying as far as the the person who may not have a lot of knowledge, right, and may not have, you know, all the knowledge on the books and everything, we should just start, right? Start trying to get something and then taking that, whatever that is, even if it's just what you talked about with positive reinforcement or, you know, different things, taking that and just implementing that and starting that process. Because subhanAllah, you're so right. There's there's a lot of people I know who, who mashallah, they know so much. Like, I mean, it's it's insane how much they know. Yet, the practice and 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 doing what Islam has called us to do, you know, maybe it, it doesn't it doesn't kind of like reciprocate that right that they're that knowledgeable, right? Subhanallah, you know, like that in it, in itself is part of that knowledge is is putting what we know into action, and even if it's just a little bit that we do get to know, um, Subhanallah. Absolutely, uh, you know, I mean, Subhanallah. One of the or a really practical and easy kind of example of that is, look, when you, you make salah five times a day, right? Yeah. So obviously when you're reading Surah Al-Fatiha so many times a day, 
uh, you're not going to forget it, right? You're not going to forget Surah Al-Fatiha because it's something that you're using, that you're practicing, you know, every day, right? Yeah. Now, if we had that relationship with more parts of the Quran, right? If there was more parts of the Quran that we read that often or almost that often, we would also memorize it just as well as we memorize Surah Al-Fatiha. So mm-hmm. it, it's that knowledge that, you know, that we use, that we practice, that we put into practice those that we make that will stay with us right so you know so so again like you said it's just a matter of uh, uh you know starting and then if when, when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the prophet said the actions are by intention so when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees from us that that concern is there that concern for raising our family upon islam and preserving them and protecting their identity when that concern is there then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will aid us and he'll Guide us in the right directions, right? Uh, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he says in one hadith, "Man salaka tariqan yaltamisu bihi alman sahal Allahu lahu tariqan ila jannah." The one who takes a path towards knowledge, then Allah will make that individual's path to jannah easy, right? Now, now what does that mean? Does that mean that you know we're just going to enter jannah easily? No, it doesn't mean that. But what it means is that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will facilitate that we will be in the right places. You know, that we'll be around the right people, that we'll be having, you know, like thinking about the right things, having the right type of concerns. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will facilitate all of that for us because we took a path trying to better ourselves, trying to seek knowledge, trying to come close to him. Right. So it it just it goes back to us kind of having that mindset, understanding the importance. Look, we know that after we die, the books are closed. Right. Right, right. The books of deeds are closed, except for what? Except for three. The Sadaqah Jariyah, which is only three things, right? And one of those three is a, a, a pious child that, that stays behind us that make, still makes dua for us, or still worships Allah, or still acts upon you know knowledge that they learned from us. That's one of our only means of still getting good deeds after we leave this world. So it's you know it's just like an investment that keeps on giving. So yes, it's hard work, you know, it's a big commitment, you know, but nobody should be afraid of it because the payoff is is huge, inshallah. Oh yeah, that's what I'm teaching my uh, baby girl first. All right, we got to make prayer for uh, for Baba every day. Let's go. Raise my rank, inshallah. I'm going to need it. I'm going to need it, inshallah. Inshallah. Well, great, great. You know, and that, um, that actually reminds me, one, one more thing you just reminded me with is, yeah. you know, the the, the importance of us you know always making dua for for our children as well you know like we have yeah. to start by you know really un- understanding from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remember there was prophets that that didn't have some of their own family members guided right the prophet sallallahu he couldn't you know he couldn't guide his own uncle there was other prophets yeah. that had some of their own family members that were not guided right so so the guidance in the beginning and in the end comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so it's important that you know that that we call upon Allah and we make du'a for for the kids and the, the hearts are being as the Prophet Muhammad says, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala turns the hearts however He pleases. So you know it's important that we we make du'a and you know ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala make it part of our of our habit with every salah that we're always making du'a for them. You know, because in the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the guidance comes from Allah. We have to take the means right. 
but we connect our hearts to Allah because he's the causer of the means. Right. Like, and, and this is something I, I think about uh, pretty often is like, you know, there's only, I mean, there's a lot we can do, but at the same time, there's things that are out of our control. Right. I mean, like you said, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who controls our hearts. And there's a, I don't know, I'm trying to like, it's like trying to find a, a fine line to where, you know, I'm still guiding my kids, but also knowing or the way I think about it is like, I'm not responsible 100% for every single action like that you take. So, if you know, if I'm doing my best to teach you good and you choose bad, like I did my best, right? Is that, I mean, is that, you know, coincide with like, you know, what Islam talks about, you know, or is there anything that deals with that? Exactly. Right? I, for sure, for sure. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا عَلَيْكَ الْبَلَاغِ الْحِسَابِ Upon you is to spread and this was, of course, directed at the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu because he would become very affected when people weren't accepting faith. He had so much concern for the people. He had so much mercy and compassion towards the people that, you know, it would bother him day and night that they weren't accepting faith. Right. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells him, "In the ma'alek al-balagh, the only thing that's upon you is to share the message. Wa'alain al-hisab, and the accountability." Remains with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. Allah says, You're not going to guide whom you love. Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides whomsoever He pleases. Right? So, now, uh, of course, the level of responsibility that we have towards our families, especially our children, is much higher than, for example, uh, the responsibility that I have to sharing Islam with you know somebody I work with. Right? Yeah. Now, there is a responsibility to share Islam with people that I'm around. No doubt about that. But my my, my children have a much uh, a much uh, bigger, you know, they have a much more right upon me than you know somebody that's a stranger to me, right? So so I have with them. I have to keep making that effort. There's no giving up, right? You have to keep making that effort, and then that's something that we would continue to do until you know until Allah Subhanahu wa Taala takes us back to Him. We continue making that effort with them. You know, right. and, and that, that effort never really ends, even when they reach the age of accountability. Yes, now they're accountable for their own actions. Now they're, they're, they're being held responsible and accountable by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That doesn't necessarily mean that uh, our role or our, we've, we, we've finished our duty. No, we have to keep mm-hmm. making that effort. Remember in the story of Nuh alayhi salam, he's, you know, right before the, right before the flood, he is still calling out to his son. Right, he's still calling out to his son, trying to get him to ride the ship. And the son is saying, "You know, I'm going to go to the high, high mountain. You know, it's, it's, nothing's going to affect me." And Nuh is telling him, "There's, there's no protection from the, from the order of Allah on this day. That's it. It's over." Right. So he's still calling him until the very last second, until the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu with his uncle, he was at his deathbed, whispering in his ear, like, "If you can just." Just say it in my ear. Just say some words. Say these words in my ear that will allow me to testify and bear witness in front of Allah. You don't want to do it out loud. You don't want other people to just say it in my ear, and I'll be able to testify for you in front of Allah. And he refused to do that. So, you know, from the examples of the prophets, we learn that you know that effort obviously it doesn't end. It's just it's part of our life in this world. 
until we die, we're trying to guide ourselves and guide the, the people that we love. Subhanallah. Yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense. That would just, I mean, I, I don't imagine I'd ever stop, <laughs> you know, if, you know, you know, may Allah keep our children on the straight path. Um, but, you know, I mean, if I mean, any of them ever got off, it'd be, you know, the rest of my life trying to call them back to Islam and, and trying to be an example and show them the way. Um, yeah. May Allah guide us all and guide our children and make them among the pious. Amen, amen, amen. So yeah, man, uh, Jazakallah, thank you so much for uh, for just sitting down and uh, and going through this. Um, thank you everybody who's listening so far, mate. I hope, inshallah, this was beneficial to you all. But look, man, we got to do this again, inshallah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'd for love sure. to, to get down uh, Absolutely. again. And- it would be my pleasure. It would be my pleasure, inshallah. Um, you know, Jazakallah khair for having me and... It was my pleasure being here, and, and, and yeah, definitely it would be great if we can, you know, continue this conversation. Inshallah, it's a very important one for us, you know, uh, and we hope that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala causes others to benefit from it as well. So, Amen. no doubt, we have to do this again. Inshallah, <laughs> inshallah, inshallah. And so, yeah, um, Jazakallah, everybody, for uh, for listening in to Shahada Tribe Radio. Um, again, if you guys have any questions, any questions at all, feel free to uh, you know send them my way. Um, if you've got any questions for um, Sheikh Khalil or anything like that, we'd love to hear the questions. And then, inshallah, next time um, we'll throw them at Sheikh Khalil and, uh, <laughs> and let him answer some of them. And um, it'd be great, inshallah. So, Jazakallah, thank you guys so much uh, for tuning in to Chad the Tribe Radio. We'll talk to you later. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.